If you turn to Luke 16, um, I wanted to thank Brother Bill Walker for uh, recommending a book to me called One Minute After We Die. And it's a book that I would recommend that every one of you get. If you've lost someone, if uh, you wonder about things, um, it's, it's really, really, it's really good. It's got scripture to back up his thoughts. Um, go one more picture there, Russell. Here's kind of the cover of the book that, that I've got. Just go forward there one, Russell, if you can. There he is. And uh, it's called One Minute After You Die by Erwin Lutzer, L-U-T-Z-E-R. You can get it on Amazon. I downloaded it to my iPad for like four bucks. And uh, it's 150 pages. It's easy to read. I need something easy. But it, it's great that it, it goes with the Bible and, and with some ideas, some thoughts. And it just really answers a lot of questions that we have. Uh, using God's Word to do that. And one of his biggest scripture parts is Luke 16, talking about the rich man and Lazarus, understanding what happens. And uh, guys, let's just be honest. Death is, is a mystery to a certain extent. In the Old Testament, it was, a, it was something they, they believed in. They believed there was an afterlife. They believed that there was a life to come. Um, but there was a lot of mystery surrounding it. Um, they was, you know, they was different people that handled it different ways. If you look at the Egyptians, they would build these big tombs and they would give them everything to take with them across the, the journey of death. And they, and they found these tombs just full of things that of gold and, and they'd build them boats and, and, uh, just, you know, they'd even, they'd even kill, uh, people and put them in there with them. So they'd have servants to take care of them and things. And, and you get thinking, man, where did, where did they get all that at? You know? And, and sometimes things get kind of crazy. And, and nowadays, you know, you have people that will go and pay money to, to a medium or something and so they can contact their dead loved ones. And, and, uh, and they, they, you know, they've been talk about, well, they, I've talked to them before. They, they'll speak through these people to me. And, and, uh, guys, don't, don't have any part in that. Um, that, that is not, there's nothing in the Bible that says we can talk to our dead loved ones through someone else. Um, they, this writer, and, and he looked, you know, as you look in God's Word, in the Old Testament, it called them familiar spirits. And, and a lot of times, guys, we know, and I know this is kind of, you know, spooky kind of sounding, but we know that right now in the world that we cannot see, that there are battles going on. There's demons, there's angels fighting. Uh, we, we read about this in Daniel a few weeks ago in, in our Wednesday night services, uh, where, where the, the angels are, are battling for us and they're fighting for us. And, but also, they have a familiarity with us like the demons do. And so the demons can also have a familiarity with us in the fact that they could, you could go to a medium and they could speak in a certain way and you think, well, that's them. And they could disguise themselves. They could lead you away from Christ. Um, and they could spook you in, in such a way that would cause you to doubt who Jesus is. And, and I would just recommend uh, to, to just stay away from that. Don't even get, go there. Uh, there's people that believe in reincarnation, that they're going to come back as something else and, and that they will just continue to live forever and ever. There's nothing in God's Word that, that backs that up, and we'll look at that a little bit later on. Um, and so there's so many ideas about death and, and what's going to happen afterwards and, and all those things, and it's, it confuses people. And, and we want to look behind the curtain of death, but we don't. Uh, we want to know what's there, but we don't. Um, you know, I don't like to talk about it much. Dana and I were going to, to, to Jonesboro the other night, and I had just come from a funeral, and, and you know, you, you deal with it as a pastor way more than you want to, and, and you, it makes you think, and I probably think about it more than I should in the quiet of the, of the night. Um, and we just got talking about, you know, 
our services and how we would prefer it and all that. And she said, well, what makes you think you're going to die before I do? And, you know, and all those kind of things. And so, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to go prearrange our funeral because that scares us. And we don't want to talk about that. And, and, you know, and I know that there's folk, folks in this crowd today that have dealt with death here just recently. And, and my heart goes out to you. And, and, and I mean to do this this morning in a way that will find comfort for all of us, uh, uh through God's word and, and through, um, just, just different things. And, um, but it's, it's the greatest mystery. It's, it's something that, you know, we've had a couple people say they've went and seen things and come back to us and different things, but I, I believe that it's something that only you can experience firsthand that will really set where you know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? It, it's only not, it's only going to be until we experience it that we are really going to be able to understand death. I do think, though, that in the New Testament, in Luke 16, uh, God kind of pulled the curtain back a lot, and he let us look into uh what happens after we die? What, what's going on one minute after we die? And what's happening in those, those minutes after we die and the days after we die? And, and I think we can see that here today. Um, we know that death coming to this world in the garden. We, we know that, and I talk to people all the time that lose loved ones, and I said, we know this. We know that, that God did not have death in his plans when he created man and woman. When he created us in the garden, uh, there was there was nothing about any of that that was going to cause death or sickness or disease or anything like that. And he just asked one thing. He said, Adam and Eve, I want you to trust me. And the Bible even tells us that they had everything they could possibly need. It said all their needs and all their wants were met. They, they were well-to-do. They, they didn't have to ask for anything. As a matter of fact, every day God would come and walk with them in the garden. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine verbally talking to God every morning before you go to work and looking at that, looking at how that would be? And it was just a perfect relationship. God put him over the animals. He named the animals, all those things that, that Adam got to enjoy. But he said, I want you to do one thing. I want you to trust me. There's one tree in this garden I want you to leave alone. And he knew what would happen if they, if they ate of that tree. He said, for the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. And I'm sure in some ways in their, their mind, they probably asked the question, maybe not out loud to God, but they probably wondered, what is death? What does it mean to die? Because it was not a part of who we were as human beings. But you know the story. God gave us some, he gave us a gift. Sometimes I wonder if it's not a curse, but he gave us a gift called free will. Free will that we can pick and choose what we want to do. And I think he did that because he wanted us to love him because we wanted to love him. You know, he wanted us to love him from our heart. I believe God could have created us any way he wanted to. I believe he could have made us robots. I believe he could have made us love him. I believe he could have made us so that we would never sin. But he wanted us to pick him and to choose him and to follow him and to trust him because we wanted to. You know, I've always said, would you rather somebody love you because you made them or because they wanted to? And we always pick because they want to. We want people to love us because they want to. And you can tell real quick in relationships and different things in life when people love you because they want to get something or when they love you unconditionally and they want to love you because they love you from the bottom of their heart. Christ, Christ shows us that unconditional love. A love that doesn't have strings. It doesn't say, I'll love you if you love me back. 
a love that if you do this for me and this for me and this for me, I'll love you back. A love that's just, I love you. I'll do anything for you. And he proved that love on the cross. But Adam and Eve chose, as you know, to eat of the fruit. And God pronounced a curse on them that because you've ate of the fruit, you will surely die. Because of sin, because of the separation that you've created between you and me. And it wasn't long they were removed from the garden. And it wasn't long that death began to happen. You know, in the book, he points out, you know the first person to die? It wasn't Adam and Eve. It wasn't even Cain that was a murderer. It was Abel. And he was the most righteous person. But he died first. You would have picked probably Cain because he had a murderous heart. You might have picked Adam because he sinned or Eve because... She sinned and tempted her husband, whatever. But the first man to die was Abel. And I think it was almost a foreshadowing that Jesus would die for us, the most righteous for the unrighteous. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought of death as a gift? I don't think until I read this and and looked through the scriptures and things, I don't think I've ever thought of death as a gift. But you know, there's one place that we all want to be. We all want to be with the Lord. We want to be in our home. You've heard me preach from behind this pulpit a multitude of times. This is not our home. This is just a tent. The Bible says it's a tent. I know some of you out there like to camp, but probably you wouldn't want to camp out all year long. There comes a time when you fold up that tent and you put it back in the box and you go when you go home. You go back to the house. Guys, we're living this body as a tent. It's just, it's just propped up. Inside is, is our soul, our spirit. And what this soul longs for once we find Jesus, it longs to be at home. And the, and the Bible says that someday this tent will be tore down and we will go on to be with the Lord. Think about this. If Adam and Eve would have been continued to live in the garden, if they would have continued to have access to the tree of life, they could have lived forever. But they would have lived in a sinful body. And so if they would have had cancer, if they would have had heart disease, whatever, they would have continued to live in agony and pain. And they would have never been able to get out of this life and get back to what what, they would have never been able to get back to the Lord. They would have just lived on and on and on. You ever stood by the bed of a loved one that's hurting? That you've seen them suffer and suffer and suffer. And you just say, Lord, give them peace. At that moment, it's a gift. It's a gift because they don't hurt anymore. And it's hard. It's hard to say goodbye. But the greatest thing to know about this, if they're saved and you're saved, is you're going to be with them a lot longer than you're going to be without them. Hard to think about it that way sometimes. Look at Luke 16, verse 19 with me, and let's talk about some more about what happens after you die. Chapter 16, verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple, fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, 
and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, let's think about what we've seen and what we've heard so far. We've got a rich man living in, let's just kind of make up the story here as we look. He's living in a mansion, probably got a very nice house. He dresses in all the fine clothes. He's doing really well. I've got it made. Man, I, I can kick back. I, I can do anything I want. I've got all that I want. Everything is great. Every day as he walks into his house, there's this man laying here. He's got sores all over him. Here he has all the money possible that he could take care of that man, but he chooses to walk on by. Now, a couple things to get in our minds real quick. We're going to see here in a minute that the poor man, the beggar, is in heaven, and the rich man is in, in hell, or in, in Hades, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you to understand this. He is not there because he's rich, and he is not there because he's poor. There's going to be rich people in heaven, there's going to be poor people in heaven. There's going to be rich people in hell, and there's going to be poor people in hell. And so, what Jesus was doing, he had been talking in parables to the rich Pharisees. The Pharisees thought this. If I'm well-to-do, God's blessing me. And if I'm well-to-do and God's blessing me, then there's no way I'm going to miss heaven. And so they were trying to go around the necessity for Jesus. And they couldn't figure it out. And they, they didn't like Jesus. Because he told them that way was not the right way, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And that bothered them. But I want you to understand this morning that the rich man was not in, in hell because he was rich. And the poor man's not. You're not going to go to heaven just because you're poor. You still, there's only one way to heaven. It's by accepting Jesus as your Savior. There's only one way, and it doesn't matter about your pocketbook, all right? Now, time come, and they, were both they had both died. Some people think about what happens one minute after you die, and here we see kind of a look behind the curtain. The writer of the book that I read this week talked about looking behind the curtain, going through the curtain of death. And what I like about that thought is that you're not in the ground. You're not laying somewhere sleeping. You're just going from life, walking through the curtain, into everlasting life. Just Death is just like that, guys. Now, you may struggle to get to death. You may hurt. There may be a lot of things you go through. But when you die, the Bible says, Paul said, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And so the minute you die, you're going to be in eternity. It's just going to be like you, everybody close their eyes and open them. Just that quick, you're going to be with the Lord, or you're going to be where the rich man was. At the time he died, Lazarus said the angels came and carried him to the side of Abraham. Now, why did he talk about Abraham here? You've got to understand that these rich Pharisees are listening. And for them to be associated or to be by the side of Abraham would have been the, the highlight of their life. They, as a matter of fact, they thought more of Abraham than they did of Jesus Christ. Because they put Jesus Christ on a cross. And so, if the angels attend for us when we're here on the earth, and I believe angels are all around us today, I don't think we should worship angels, but I think angels are all around us. But at, at our death, it looks like from this peak behind the curtain, 
that the angels come and collect our soul, collect our spirit, and carry us to be with the Lord. Now, we don't become angels. We don't turn into angels. We continue to be who we are. All right? We do not turn into angels when we go to heaven. There are already angels there. God's got enough angels. He wants us the way we are. He wants us to be there with him. And so we'll get to see angels someday. There'll be angels that will carry us to be with him. That's an amazing thought. The other side of this, though, is the other side. That, and Lazarus was a believer. The other side was, it says, the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Now, if you have the King James Version this morning, it will translate that into hell. I believe, as I've studied before and as I read in the book and as I read God's Word, I really believe, guys, that no one is actually in hell yet. All right? How do I understand that? Because if you look in the back of Revelation, there is coming today, I think it's around 2021, I think it's it's 20, maybe 19, there's going to be a great white throne judgment. Everyone that has never accepted Christ will be risen at that time. And they, one by one, will stand before Christ. And their whole life is going to be opened up. And they're going to go back through every decision. They're going to go back through every church service they've been in. They're going to go back through when people stop to try to tell them about Jesus. They're going to go through every TV show they've seen about Jesus. They're going to look through all the times of their life. And at the end of that judgment, they're going to have nothing to say but I'm guilty. There's no other other answer. Then the Bible tells us that those whose name was not written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, how do I get my name in that book? By accepting Jesus as your Savior. You say, Lord, I I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that because Adam and Eve got passed down to me. I have sin in my heart. I have an intentional thing about me to do the wrong thing. But I want you to say, I believe that you died on the cross and paid the price for my sin. And I believe that you did everything just right on the cross. You paid my debt in full. You laid in the grave for three days. And on the third day, you rose up as the Father and stands and paid in full, approved on your work on the cross. And if I believe in that and I give you my life and I trust you by faith, I can't see you yet, but I believe you're real because of your word, because of the drawing of the Holy Spirit, because of the prayers that I pray, I believe you're real, and I want eternal life if I can get it. three somersaults, you know. You don't have to read the Bible through 400 times. You don't have to be baptized even, which is, that's a great thing. We want to be baptized to show the world who we are, but that's just between you and God. It's just a simple transaction that he paid all your price on the cross. You accept that that price that's been paid, and you give your life to Jesus. And I say, I want to live for you, Lord, the best that I can through your strength. I want to live for you and see your glory. But if you don't do that, your name will not be written. Someday, it says, the devil and the Antichrist, false prophet, and all those whose names were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into hell. And so here we see, behind the curtain, the rich man is in a place called Hades. It's It's a temporary place, but it's still a place of torment. And it, it seems like, if you look at this from the Old Testament perspective, it seems like there was a, a, a place here in Hades that was where the, the lost were, 
And it seems like there was a place over here with a great gulf fixed where the, the saved were. Now, I believe when Jesus died on the cross, it says that he went to the bowels and he, he rescued the saints and brought them to heaven with him. And I believe that when now, when you die, you go to be in heaven with Jesus Christ. But there was a time here. Let's read about it. Let's read about it. 23, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has set, been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross from there to us. You are eternally separated. He said, Abraham, why will you please send someone, think about this, to dip their finger in water and bring it to me and put that on my tongue. I'm in such torment here. He said, this, this fire, the fires around are just, they're, they're killing me. He's in torment. He said, can't somebody rescue me? And really, he didn't say that. He just said, can somebody give me some relief? We can see here that the minute we die, we realize that we are right where we are supposed to be. You notice there he didn't say, come and get me. I'm not guilty. I didn't do this. I'm not right. He understood that he was a sinner. Guys, when we pass through the curtain of death, we're going to have a greater awareness of the Bible and of God and of what's right than we've ever had in our life. A greater awareness. Our brain power is going to go off the charts because we're going to be in a new glorified body someday in heaven. But in this time, we're, we're in a state where we still understand. He didn't say, I'm not guilty. He just said, can you bring me some relief? We also see here that he had the same personality. He was the same person. You're not going to go into death and change. He was still aware of what was going on around him. When our loved ones that know Christ and they walk through the curtain of death, they're still the same person. Now their body is, is going to be laid in the ground. But, but there's something about us that we know each other. You remember at the, the Mount of Transfiguration? We had Jesus there, Moses, Elijah. And the disciples, they didn't even have to tell them who they were. I don't remember Jesus ever introducing these men to them. They'd never seen them. They just knew they had an awareness of who they were. I think, you know, and, and here this, this rich man looks up. He sees Lazarus. He knew who that was. So we're not some floating around spirit. We, we have something about us that we can be recognized. But there is a day that the Bible tells us that at the rapture, that those who are dead in Christ, those that have been saved, they're gonna, their spirit is there in heaven, but they're gonna, their body's gonna come out of that grave. And in the moment, the twink of an eye in the air, they're going to meet up with their new, their spirit and get a new glorified body that is fit for all of eternity. It's a, it's a body that will be able to withstand being in the presence of God. Because I see if I, I approach God in this sinful body that I live now, I would just disintegrate. 
I think I'd just blow up. Because sin cannot come in the presence of God. And we're going to have a brand new glorified body someday. But at the time, we still know. He still knows what's going on. He still knows there's Lazarus. We're going to have a great awareness when we get to heaven. We're going to know each other. We're going to know who Paul was. We're going to know who Noah was. We're going to be able to talk to them. I think we're going to know our family. The Bible says we'll be known as we're known. I believe that we're going to recognize that was my earthly mother, that was my earthly father. Now, the Bible also says that we won't be marriage or given in marriage, all right? But we're going to know each other, but we're also going to have such a greater love than we've ever had before, we're going to be able to love each other perfectly. Something to think about it. The awareness that we're going to have. And he had that awareness. But look, look at what he thought one minute after he died. Verse 27, he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. He was fully aware. He was aware of his last life. And you know what? He's, you know what? His love... In heaven, in hell, it seems like in Hades here, there, there's love for, for people back home. That, that doesn't seem to change. And I think when we get to heaven, when our loved ones are in heaven, there's a love there. I, I think they still know who we are. They still care for us. They still love us. But guys, what, what we can't get in our mind, what I have trouble getting in our mind, is now they're home. They now have a greater awareness and, and even if they could come back, they wouldn't because they know this is where they belong. And they want us to come and be with them. And, and I know there's times we say, I wish we could bring them back. But guys, if we think about that for like 30 seconds, we'll say no. No. Not in this old crazy world. Not where they'd have to hurt again. Not where they'd have to suffer again. Not where they'd have to go through terrible things. No. No. There might be they walk up to the Lord and say, how's, how's mom doing? How's my boys doing? There's no theology in the Bible that says that doesn't happen. We may be able to just pray the Lord. You know, the Lord hears all of our prayers. Could you tell mom and dad I said hi? Could you tell my son I said hi? I think God could do that, don't you? Now, here's the problem. Some people say, I'm going to pray to Daddy and tell him, tell the Lord hi. Don't pray to Daddy, all right? Pray the Lord. And he very well could do that. But here you see the awareness of the rich man. He said, Father Abraham, do me this. If you can't bring me water, send someone back and tell them not to come to this place. Now, you'd think, you know, what we hear sometimes is, hey, I don't care, I'm going to hell, all my buddies are going to go to hell, and we're going to party forever. Do you sound like he's partying? Does it sound like he wants the rest of his family to come so they can all be together and suffer together? No. 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 There won't be fellowship in, in hell. 
There won't be comfort in hell. I think it's going to be such a mean place that we can't even get around each other if you're down there and you're lost. Because you, you think about it, the Bible says it's a place where your needs are not met. You think of an addict that, that can't find another fix. You think of an alcoholic that wants alcohol so bad and he can't get any. You go, well, finally he'll just get over it. No, not in hell. You think of a sex offender that's trying to get their needs met and they can't. Imagine the arguments and the screaming and the, the wailing and the, the fight that would be there if we could even come in contact with each other. This is not going to be a party. But he says, won't you please, will you please send someone there and tell them not to come to this awful place. There is such an awareness when you pass through the death, the curtain of death, there's such an awareness that he realized that, look, I know one thing, I don't want my family to be here. You know what we are to really be doing on this side of the curtain before we pass through? We should have that kind of attitude. I don't want my family to go there, and I'm not going either. Because listen to me. People said, listen, now listen. God, this wonderful, great God you talk about, he's not going to send nobody to hell. No, he's not. God is not going to send one person to hell. We're going to choose it. We're going to choose it. And just like he allows you to say yes or no, he's going to allow you to make that decision. Won't you please send someone and preach to him? Preach him a message. Look what Abraham says. Abraham replied, verse 29, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. If we could just see a miracle today, I'd give my heart to Jesus. If we could just do this, or if someone come back from the dead and preach to me, if Jesus was here today, he's give us everything we need to know right here, guys. Right here. This is the most precious book in the world. Don't throw it under the car seat. Don't throw it up in the back window, as my dad used to say. I don't think he even got a back window anymore, but there used to be a ledge up there. Oh, he hated to leave his Bible in the car. He, he, he grew us up to just take this thing and, it, you know, it's kind of like you baseball players. You sleep with your baseball glove. You know, when I was little, man, I slept with my glove under my pillow. We should sleep with this thing this close. Because it's everything we need to know about here and about the afterlife. And, it, and Abraham said, if they won't listen to this, they won't listen to anything else. There's no sense trying. Our loved ones have their personality. Our loved ones have awareness. Our loved ones, they just, they just step into eternity with Christ. But they're perfect. As I said in the, in the funeral the other day, they enter into a land of no mores. No more crime. 
No more pain. No more suffering. No more depression. No more anguish. No more fighting. No more bickering. No more being mad. No more telling somebody off. No more funerals. Praise the Lord. You know what I'm looking forward to today? What I'm looking forward to as a pastor when I do my last funeral. That's what I'm looking forward to. No more. And you talk about a reunion. What a great reunion it's going to be. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And as I said earlier, I always try to remember this. Eternity, guys, we just can't grasp it. We cannot grasp forever and ever. We just, only thing we ever heard that in is, is in a fairy tale book. And they live happily ever after, forever and ever. That's the only thing that we ever hear that story. But heaven is chock full. This Bible's chock full about eternity living forever and ever and ever. I heard this week that if a bird left the moon and came to earth once every million years and got one grain of sand and took it back, after he moved all the sands of the whole world, eternity would just be beginning. Think about that. One million years, he just brought one little grain of sand, and he'd wait another million years. He'd wait another million years. Eternity would just be beginning. So guys, I'm telling you, this 10 or 15 or 20 or 35 or 40 or 50 years that we have to do without our loved ones is just that quick. We're going to be back together. And it's going to be sweet. But we're going to have a new way of looking and a new way of thinking and a new awareness. And guys, we're going to be thinking about Jesus Christ. We're going to take care of each other. The writer was writing about heaven and he, he says it's, it's 1,500 miles square, the New Jerusalem. Think about that. If you go from the Atlantic Ocean and you go over to about Kansas, that's about 1,500 miles, somewhere along in there, and you go from Canada to down to Mexico, that's about 1,500 miles. So it's that square and it's that tall. The, the writer said that would mean there's like 39,000 stories in heaven. <laughs> he said one condo would be the size of about half of America. You know, in my father's house are many, many, many mansions is what the Bible says. And King James, if you, if you translate that, it's called dwelling places. In my father's house are many dwelling places. And listen to me, I, he, he brought up a great point. If you think it's taken him 2,000 years to get your house ready, it hasn't. Jesus can just speak that in existence. It's ready. He's ready to go anytime you are. He's ready. You think about 39,000 stories. If you ever went to a hospital with five stories, you wait forever for the elevator, you know? Man, I don't want to wait forever for a 39,000-story elevator, Gary. But in those times, guys, greater awareness, a brand-new glorified body, we're going to be more like Christ. You remember that night they were in the upper room after Jesus' death and he just appeared to them? We'll be able to just say, I'd rather be over there talking to Paul, and boom, we'll be there. I'd like to go see Mom, boom, we'll be there. I want to go to the throne, boom, we'll be there. The new glorified body. As Danny said earlier, our mind can't even start to even think about heaven. We try to get there. We try to make it as beautiful as we can. And guys, we can't even get close. We can't even get close. Don't you want to go? Don't you want to go?
Guys, don't wait another day. Get your name, get your reservation made today. You know, you go down to the travel agency and they get you a reservation for a trip and you get all ready and, man, you count down the days. Guys, I want to make you a reservation for heaven today. I want to get your name written down in the landscape of life. Guys, I'm telling you, Hawaii or a cruise or a trip to Germany or France or Paris or wherever you think you'd like to go, it won't even compare to being in heaven forever. We won't have to go to a place where we suffocate and where the light doesn't shine. Because, you know, the Bible says that this is all going to be destroyed. And when we get to heaven, we're not going to need the sun or the moon anymore because Jesus is the light. Think about that just a minute. The light of the world is Jesus. Jesus won't be in hell. There's going to be no light. You don't got to go there. Guys, listen to me. Your soul don't sleep. You don't go to purgatory and try to get better so you can go on to heaven. When these eyes close in death, you awake and you're in your eternity and your eternity is fixed. It's solid. It's not changing. You don't work your way through. Some people believe, well, it might take you three or it might take you a million years, but you'll work off your sins and God's going to let you into heaven. No. He said there's one way. I'll say it again, guys, and you're going to hear me say this more than anything I ever say as a pastor. There's one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. There's one way to heaven. It's today. There's one way to heaven. It's through the blood of Jesus. There's only one way that you're going to heaven, and it's give your heart and soul to Jesus. And that doesn't mean nothing about a Baptist or a Methodist or a Church of Christ or doesn't mean nothing about changing my life around or doesn't mean when I give up bad things, I'll come. It doesn't mean anything like that. It means just let Jesus save you, and he will. He will. He will. And you can know that you know that you know that you're here. His eternity was fixed. Remember what Abraham said? There's a great gulf fixed between. And we can't come there. You can't come here. It's fixed. These eyes close in death, and we open in the next second. We're with Him. It's a lot to think about it. I don't like talking about dying much. I know it hurts. Guys, there is hope. The Bible says that in this life only we have hope. We are most miserable. If this is what you're looking for to make you happy, it ain't going to do it. Yeah, you'll be happy for a minute here and a minute there, a second here and a second there. Think about when you get to heaven and you never are unhappy again. You're joyful continually. There's never any bad happens in your life. There's no sickness, no pain. There's nothing but good. Why in the world would we want to bring them back here? What I want to do is us to go be with him. But in the meantime, we fight the fight. We run the race. And we take as many as we can with us when our time comes by telling them about the love of Jesus. And they can know they're going to spend eternity.
and all God's people said. Let's pray. And Father, we come to you today. Lord, I just pray that someone sitting here this morning would give their heart to you. Lord, I don't want them to spend eternity without you. And Lord, you don't either. Lord, you, you, you said that by coming and dying on the cross. You proved that. You could have just said, it's yours. You've done messed it up. It's all yours. But you didn't. You came and you rescued us. And I pray that not one person would leave this room today without knowing you as Savior. I pray no one will leave this building today without writing their name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I pray that no one will leave today without making their reservation for heaven. Lord, I thank you for the the look you gave us behind the curtain this morning. Lord, help us to to realize that you've got this all planned out to our best. Lord, help us spread the word. Lord, speak to hearts this morning. I ask you to comfort those that have lost loved ones recently. Lord, help us not to be afraid of death because, Lord, we know that when it comes our time, you'll give us grace for that, to go through that. Lord, we pray for that. In your precious name we pray.